Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Future Islands. Future Islands are a four-piece based in Baltimore, Maryland. Their epic hooks and soul-wrenching lyrics helped them skyrocket to fame back in 2014 with the release of their song Seasons and their fourth album, Singles. Their sixth studio album, As Long As You Are, forces you to feel things just as deeply. Now, while this makes its heartbreaking moments quite palpable, it also means that the joyous parts are monumental. Like, so joyful you might spread your arms and try to fly even though you clearly can't. In a year that's been pretty, like, gloomy and shitty, it's nice to, you know, listen to an album that has so much joy and self-acceptance and healthy relationships. That's really great to hear. Yeah, well, I'm basically doing this in like a semi-chronological order, so sort of in a beginning, middle's going to be a little more jumbled and end, um, just because I feel like it really takes us through a journey, and I don't know, it's one of those that I just feel like I kind of have to follow the order to make sense of things. So just, I guess, kicking off from the very beginning of the album, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that I guess I heard the order of the album, if you will, was like, we start sort of in the present day with Glada and for sure, like, this is very much like the relationship that you're in now, Sam. It's very like happy and healthy. And then it, it's almost like, you know, when you watch a movie and they start in the present day and they're like, but things weren't always like this. And then we go to the past and then we kind of <laughs> gradually work our way back to the present. Is that at all the order of the album? I, th I think in a way, I mean, it's, uh, the guys are really good about, uh, like, I, I mean, we all, of course, all talk about track list, but I think, I think I was kind of like made the track list for this record and kind of sent some ideas over and then that shifted a little bit, but the dudes were feeling it. I mean, for me, the track listing has to be, some things just don't work together. You can't like put a song where you're saying like, uh, believe in me, believe in like the world next to a song that's like, everything is terrible, nothing, <laughs> like, you know, like these kinds of things. Yeah. And so, so some of that is, I think, helps in a chronological. A lot of it for me, though, is just like connecting moods. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, creating a track list is just difficult and trying to find proper balance and, uh, and uh, you know you can't you can't like drop all the bangers at once, and then you create like these slow periods. You kind of have to like th this record. We really wanted to get back to our old records that were more about creating cir a circular album, like like a 
like our first three albums, we were really trying to create an ebb and flow. And then the last song leads back into the first. And then when we made singles um, in 2014, that was, that was us going, we're not doing that. We're just going to like drop 10 bangers. And, and that's kind of what we continued to do with the far field with this record. We wanted to get back to that, like little, little, like tiny interlude pieces and, and things like uh, environmental sound um, to create atmosphere. So, so uh, I mean, I think it's actually really intuitive that you, you pick up on that because it is kind of true. Like it, it's, uh, it, it, it begins in this like opening and this questioning of, uh, of like, do I deserve a chance to, to have like love again in my life? That's like the question that begins the album. And, and then it takes you through um, all, all different kinds of stages. It jumps, it goes from there to jumping off into the water quarry um, and, then, and then bouncing into that, that LaCroix being popped, you know? Oh, sorry, I'm not trying to buzz market. For LaCroix. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by no, it's not. Um, <laughs> but, I wish. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, I think that's very intuitive too. Uh, what what you said, it's interesting. I'm going to be thinking about this now. Like, did I do that? <laughs> I don't. I didn't do it on purpose. Not at all. I think it happens. I mean, my so one of my best friends put out an album earlier this year, and I had her on the podcast. Um, her band's called Another Sky. You should listen to them. They're really great. But basically, they sort of did the same thing where their manager helped them with the track list. And then the way that it just flowed, like it was like it almost accidentally became a concept album just because things just sort of fell into a really interesting order. Um, so yeah, so I'm still kind of following this weird chronological order and whether it means anything or not, it just, again, it works really, really well. So, well, I mean, the beauty with, I mean, the whole thing with albums, like creating these pieces is like, uh, it's, it's kind of like in our court until it's released, like, like at any moment, like you think the record is coming out on October 9th, but we could pull it off the shelf at any moment and never release this record. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like like Sam would never let that happen. I was going to say, please don't do that. <laughs> I put a lot of work into this. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say was like, once, once the record is released, it's kind of, it is like the great exhale. Like, like everything is up in, in the air until it's, it's done. Once it's, once it's out to the public, it's not our record anymore. It's like, it's your record and you know, it's your friend's records or, you know, it's, it becomes a part of people's lives the way it fits into their lives, the way it becomes a part of their memories or or uh their summer or you know these these things or maybe it doesn't become anything but the whole thing is is like i do think i mean it's art so we want people to to get what they want out of it and come to it from from their perspective and bring their own selves into it because it is it's like it's not our record when it's out it's like it's your record mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing how once i guess the world takes it the the meanings of everything can change well I guess going back to your meaning specifically on these first two songs, first off, I melted when I read the translation of the word glada because I know that it means happy in Swedish, which is fucking adorable because I know that your partner is Swedish. Um, and what but I it's also, But it's also a bird that is known in the southern region of Sweden. So, so glad is happy, but it's also glada or glador is like the plural of this uh it's it's like a a red a red kite it's like a it's like a wide-tailed hawk and they just like circle 
they're beautiful birds. You kind of, they just look brown. And then when they turn, you see this flash of red and they're, they just like swoop over the fields all day. It feels I, that, and that's, that's like what, like, I also understood that double meaning, like, uh, cause it was, I wanted it to be like gladder or glada, <laughs> but it didn't work the same, like the way it looked. So glada like worked, but it, to me, it, it does, it does mean both of those things, but originally was, when I first wrote the lyrics, it was, I wanted to call it the red kite. Um, and then in this world of, uh, I, I don't need to propagate any red right now in the world. So I was like, let's not call it the red kite. I guess talking about more the sonic side of these two albums, there's so much, or these two songs, there's so much joy and kind of a sense of like, it's like a very secure joy, like very calm. And obviously that's in the lyrics, but I think one thing that you guys do well as a band as well, and you did this back on Seasons. You've done this really well here on For Sure. You just create these like joyous, soaring, like forward motion sort of songs where you, I don't know. It's like whatever that like great big joy is, is really represented well in the music. Thank you. But anyway, I guess diving in now from this sort of like big happy banger period and going into the third song, which is Born in a War. For me, again, in my in my head, this sort of order interpretation, it almost feels like the origin story meets the t- calling out toxic masculinity song. Like it's really delving into the past, but it's also, you know, a, I mean, a theme that we talk about a lot when you're from, for example, like a small town in the South of sort of like masculinity being this very like no emotion, don't cry. Like it says a strong man cries and it makes a strong man die, you know, in the song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think in in your telling too of the idea of the chronology, it's kind of like where I am here, and then I return back like to the yeah the actual root of myself, um, which is you know a town where me and Garrett grew up. Uh, and I mean, William's from a similar place where you know you go you go hunting on Saturday and you go to church on Sunday. That's you know like that's that's the social circles. And I didn't grow up like that. Like I didn't go to church and I didn't hunt and that made me a little weird. I mean, I played sports with everybody, so it didn't really matter. Like that was, that was our connection, but it was, it was always funny to me going, you know, first day of school. And it's like, what church do you go to? And it was like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Like, is there something wrong with me? Um, Not, not to like throw, you know, religion under the fire, but just, just to say that in, in that place, those kinds of things that, uh, we 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 see in ourselves like uh you know i think i'm skipping forward the painter speaks to this as well just like um we mischaracterize humans in our society uh on the daily and that's a big part of american society in particular is just like not respecting one another as equals (laughs) and it's uh it's kind of shameful and that goes back to and and you know but this is dealing this is something that I deal with just like personal isolation feelings as a youth that have, you know, followed me through my life and made me think about like uh, who I am, what I am, how, how I can be to other people and these, these kinds of important things and growing empathy and understanding for, for other people. So, uh, but yeah, but really it's about like, I grew up in a, a kind of a backwards town and, um, and I'm still like fighting with these feelings and, you know, ugh. Uh, I mean, it's really about that song's about the gun problems in America as well. And just like, 
you know, raised up in a town that's 80 proof shotgun shells under every roof. Um, you know, it's just like, uh, how we've, you know, we're like in, I mean, in every, almost every facet of, I mean, man, I'm, I'm going to just talk forever. Uh, yeah, we're in these infinite loops, we're in these infinite loops of like gun violence, uh, police brutality, um, and uh, systematic, systemic racism, institutionalized racism, um, all these white supremacists, just like uh, monoliths unbroken. So, I mean, it's really, it's really yelling. It is yelling at the clouds sometimes, but you also have to yell. Yeah, there's that that bit at the end when you're literally saying look into a strong man's eyes as in like this is what a strong man can actually look like it's someone who listens and can cry it's just again it's saying like see we can move on from this because i did or at least i'm trying to um which is great and i mean you've already sort of said that like i mean the rest of you guys have grown up in similar places but even though i know a lot of this record centers around your stories sam um, this song in particular, was this one that you, like the rest of the group, kind of heard yourself in at all? I mean, again, like with these stories of like growing up in places like this or kind of these questions of masculinity and stuff. Uh, I guess I, I guess I, I related to when Sam was talking about um, being from a town that's 80 proof, you know, thinking about that alcoholic culture. At least that's what that makes me uh, think about. Um, and yeah, it's a really powerful, it's a really powerful song, um, and a challenging baseline to, uh, <laughs> for me, I'm still, I'm nervous about playing that one on the live stream, to be honest. You're going to be fine. Smash it, <laughs> yeah. Also, even though it's a LaCroix can, like, which only steals a little bit of its thunder, I think given that it's a song that discusses guns and alcohol a bit, like having that, like, at the beginning just sort of kind of puts you right in the mood of it immediately which i really love i'm like very detailed was it a lacroix wine or was it a waterloo was it a was it a uh, giant uh generic brand do you remember mike it's probably lacroix i can't remember i think it was lacroix oh my it was lacroix yeah mike actually did it we, well, we, we wanted the beginning of the song to really pop you know literally so that's that's how that ended up, and that that was just we we threw that in in the demo because we thought it was fun, and it uh, and it it made it made the final album. I, again, I really like it, and I think it suits what again the songs talk about. Even if it was a Lacroix can and not like a Bud, it's 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 hilarious. But yeah, also for for the people listening, you know, you heard it here first. It was a Lacroix can. This is see, like we ask a lot of questions on this podcast, but that's obviously the detail that people are going to retain. We and have I, a we have a video coming out for this song. I'm not sure when this podcast will come out, but the video is coming out just before the album does, and okay. it's um and it's directed by uh, Wayne White and his son uh, Woodrow White. Um, they like made all these like they made all these puppets, so it's kind of like a stop motion uh, animated pup, but also like real um, like just puppetry. I'm not sure if it's stop motion or just you know if they're doing the if they're doing the marionette thing with the puppets, but mm-hmm. it's pretty rad. I'm excited to see that. I think this podcast will be out a little bit after that, but good to know. I'm definitely excited to see that. Well, moving on, I guess to the next section now. Um, 
I sort of labeled this the sort of like the past relationship relationship section. So the songs that I put under that category are I Knew You, City's Face, and then The Painter, which I guess I'm not sure if I'm wrong about that one. That one is really cryptic. So we're going to get back to that one. Um, But first off, I Knew You. It references one of your older songs called Long Flight, which is on an album from about 10 years ago. And you mentioned that whereas on Long Flight, like that was a song that was very emotionally raw, like it was right when things kind of, you know, fell apart. Whereas I Knew You almost feels like the antidote to that because there's a calmness in I Knew You and more of a like reflecting on the past kind of feel to it. Yeah, I mean, that song is about that song is about one night uh, where I was with the person that I hadn't seen. Well, I, I guess I'd seen them about four months prior, but when I'd seen them four months prior, it was the first time we'd seen each other in about five years. Um, never spoken on the phone, never, uh, there's no, no contact, a couple cryptic emails over the years, but uh, you know, the relationship that was in evening air, um, the person that little dreamer is about, you know, a really important, uh, relationship for me and a person that unfortunately for well I don't know if unfortunately but uh, was a part of our canon in a way because I you know speak about uh, her on you know an evening air was all about this relationship um, and the feelings of grieving going like getting out of it so um, the thing is uh, yeah so I mean basically that song is uh, that night just as it happened, you know, uh, we played a show early in the day um, at some waterfront thing, I won't say the city. And then afterwards, me and her uh, went to a bar and we were just kind of like catching up and everything's kind of cool. And then, and then it was getting late and she wanted to go to a fucking graveyard. So we were like drinking beers, carry out oh, beers in the graveyard, which she's an old school goth girl. So um, it worked out. Uh, I was like, oh, this is just like our first date. Oh. But, you know, I haven't seen you in five years and I have no, you know, I was trying to like, okay, when you go through, when you're going through a breakup, you know, like you have these important relationships and then you just like, you split up, but then you don't ever speak to the person again because the person doesn't allow it. You never get closure. So, so I've been fighting for this, like under trying to understand, like, what was that? Like after five years passes, you're like, was this even real? Was I even in a relationship with this person? Did it ever end? Did it ever begin? Like, what is this? And, uh, but I had, you know, this wealth of emotions back then that had become tame and I was guarded in myself. And I wasn't, I didn't want anything from this person, but just like to acknowledge that we were once something, you know what I mean? To like acknowledge that I existed, you know? It's crazy to just like act like someone doesn't exist after being with them for three years. So. Anyway, so I'm with this person and then the night, and then she basically tells me, you know, I fucked up her whole life. Like I ruined her life ever since, ever since I became a part of her life, all of these things went sour since I've been gone. Um, you know, things were bad for a few years, but now she's like better and now I'm back again. And I'm like, in a way it hurts to hear someone you cared about say those things. But on the other side, it's like, I'm so happy you're telling me something. You know what I mean? I say that in the song, like, uh, you know, that I poisoned your life. And it was so good to hear after so many years, not for the pain, but just to hear you say anything real. You know, it's just like, just to hear you say something that you felt, to hear like your emotions finally after five fucking years, <laughs> like, but then it ended 
and she, you know, come crash at my house. No, because your boyfriend's out of town. I don't want that. God, just come have a beer. And then it's like three in the morning. Want to go to sleep on the couch. Come to the bed. Don't want to do that. It's fine. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, yeah, nothing's happening. Like, I don't have these feelings. Pass out and then wake up to my, a phone in my face. And it's a picture of my wallet and keys on the, and my tobacco on the coffee table downstairs. And there's a, I've been asleep for like two and a half hours. Like I went to bed at 3.30 and woke up at six with this phone, like being shaken. And I'm like, what am I looking at? What is that? Is that my stuff? Why are you, why are you showing me a picture of my stuff? And she just said, what if long flight was about you? And I was like, it fucking is about me. <laughs> like, that's the whole fucking thing. It's about you and it's about me. And now what is happening? I was like, she was like, uh, he came home. And I'm just like, I'm, I seriously like was feeling my face. Like, am I, am I alive? Am I bloody? Have I been, what, what is happening? And then I was like, cool, can I go talk to him? Like nothing happened. Like, this is awkward, but I'll go. She's like, he's gonna fucking kill you. And I was like, but I want to talk to him. Nothing happened. This doesn't mean anything. And then I just realized that I was like some fucking weird twisted thing in her relationship. I just got like roped into being put in this terrible situation that I could have, I could have, I mean, like I said, I'm like, am I bleeding? <laughs> um, anyways, so that's that fucking story. And then I fucking ran out the back door. That's, that's the story. It's okay. just what happened that night. I mean, it's crazy. And the thing was, I had come to this thing with this person and said, you know, I'm sorry that I hurt you through writing these songs. I'm sorry. You know, you have to understand that these songs are so old now that they're, they're, some of them have transferred onto other, other people and other things. And, and they're also, they've just become songs. They're just stories. They're not even about, like, I don't have this anger anymore. And I want you to understand that. And then I was like, you know, I, I won't do that anymore. I don't want to hurt you anymore. And then that happened. I was like, I got to write this shit down. This is fucking crazy. But I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really write, <clears throat> I don't, I don't come to a song and say, I'm going to write about this. But when Garrett, um, or when we came up with that instrumental, it's just like the keys that Garrett has creeping in just made me feel like that graveyard walk. It's just like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> spooky. <laughs> it's scary. Um, yeah. Sorry, I got really animated because I'm still mad about that night. Oh my God, it's okay. Sometimes you just got to let it out. It's all good. Um, well, I guess going to the next song, which has a sort of similar-ish theme, and that's City's Face, and it's just kind of, I guess, leaving behind the bitterness that can come with a place that you've lived if it's sort of, you know, attached to another person. And when I see these two songs together, it's sort of this sense of, like, closure can just take different forms. Sometimes you need to have a conversation with someone and close that chapter, no matter what happens in the few hours following. But also sometimes you literally just have to remove yourself from a place, for example. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, City's Face is about the relationship I was in after that relationship when I moved to Baltimore. Like my one, my one real Baltimore relationship, which was really uh, t terrible uh, and just was cheated on a lot by a partner, basically. Um, and it made me feel like looking over my shoulder all the time, like who knows things about my life. And it really made me like my friend group, which I'm, I've always been a very outgoing person. I mean, I'm, I'm also to myself, but I'm very outgoing. And I consider before this, before this person in my life, I consider myself a person who had a lot of friends. And after this, this person became a part of my life, um, I really started to question who 
was my friend because a lot of these people were my friends that were, you know, and, and, I, and a lot of, and, and a lot of these situations, I put it on, I put it on them. I blamed them for what they did to me. And I never put it on this person. And it made me just like hate the place I was in. It made me hate like a city that I loved and want to be away from it and just like get away because I became just a paranoid uh, person. Just like, just, yeah. Is this, are, are you my therapist? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go to therapy, so maybe I'm just learning. I'm learning. No, but I mean, yeah, so that, that song is quite literally about like, yeah, those feelings and realizing it back then, but it took me to be, it took me to be in this healthy relationship now. I mean, that, that song was written in, uh, the lyrics were written in 2018 over an old instrumental that William had sent, I don't know, 2014 or 2015. This, this song that William had sent that I had kept around. And then one day I like found, I was in Los Angeles with my partner um, and I wrote that song one day and was just like, it, yeah, it, it took me to be in a relationship where I felt cared for and felt trusted and also felt like I could trust someone else that I realized how much this person was like took advantage of my trust and also just like hurt me. And I never really told them, you know, I just like, we, I just kept patching it up because I cared about the person. And I just gone in this relationship where nothing really bad had happened, but it just ended. And I was trying to hold this together. Cause I was like, if any, like I'll do anything to not go through that pain again. And instead I just put myself into more pain and I never addressed it. So it, it took me <laughs> literally like six and a half years to realize what that person did to my whole, my whole surroundings, my whole environment um, through, their, through their actions and me not being able to, to uh, address them face to face, but like look away and put the blame on other people or put the blame on myself even. I think oh, we do that, you know, people do that. Oh, absolutely. I definitely want to get back to discussing this current relationship because there are a few songs that really, again, show that amazing just love and security but before we do that i want to talk about the painter because for me for one it's the most cryptic song on the album and ironically i feel like it's kind of self-aware of it like even the fact that it's saying you know like what's behind the painting like what's missing from this picture you know it's you know that's kind of what's happening that's not hiding things but it's more of a coded message well the painter is really about uh race issues in america and the way people choose to see <laughs> what they want to see. You like, they paint the picture that they want to see and the picture that they want to believe. Um, the way they say that, you know, it seems like the most racist people say they don't see color, you know? And it's like, well, what, what do you do at a fucking red light? Do you just keep going? <laughs> you know, like fucking, you know, it's like you have, you, you it, it, it is just like people with blinders. I feel like the painter, the painter and the idea, I mean, I made a joke early on in this song is like the painter is about going home in 2016 for Thanksgiving and realizing that you like your, your relatives voted for Trump and then being like, how do I, what? Like, are we looking at the same picture? So that's the idea of the painter is how do you see the same picture and how do we, look at the same picture and see it so differently. Mm -hmm. So that's, the painter isn't supposed to be so cryptic, but it is like, you know, for me and for us, it's like, you know, I've, we've been around the world. I've been, I grew up in a little town and I moved to a big city 
and I've been all over the world with this band and I come home and I'm just like, how do we see things? Like, like it is, you see the same issues with people all over the world, but in America, it's, it's like, ugh, it's really, uh, uh, yeah. Anyways. So, so it's trying to, it's trying to speak to that. Uh, I mean, the, the first line of that song, it, it makes me cringe in a way that I want it to make me cringe. And I want, I want it to, I want it to hit people, which is fear of black and yellow is pushing in the blues, which is a way to like almost slang um, fear of minorities and fear of these things are making, are pushing in the depression. The blues are the depression. I mean, in a way it's like, could we please have a blue wave soon in our politics? Maybe that saves us for a little bit. We need awesome. bigger, we need bigger things to happen, but, um, but yeah, like, like your, your inconsistencies as a human, your lack of humanity and empathy and understanding of other humans is like fueling my depression and also makes me want to just like go out in the fucking ocean, and like be far away from you. That's the, like, I'm out here. I like, like, I'm just out here. Like I can't handle, <laughs> I can't handle this. So, so the painter is the painter is trying to do, and that's like the idea that we, yeah, with like you know, art is art is one of those things where we're supposed to see our, our we put ourselves into it, or we get out what we want, and that's like I remember before I went off to college, um, I was at the I was at the beach with my buddy Bryce, and we're stoned looking at clouds, and I'm like that's what that looks like and he's like no it looks like that and i'm like how are we looking at the same cloud mm -hmm. two people that are like like two really close friends looking at the same cloud and seeing it so differently and i was like i want my art to be something that maybe the whole world sees the same like how do you that seems like a real challenge is to make everyone view the same like the thing as and get the same thing out of it but anyways it, it is like how do we how do we look at art and allow that, but we can't look at people's lives and, and, and see them as all valuable. We can't, we can't see that people's lives are valuable. Mm, absolutely. Black lives matter. So, Amen I mean, to that. It's just like, it's, it's infuriating. Um, and yeah. that's what, that's what the painter is, whether they're painting the scene they want, or they're just a piece of a painting, you know, what's hidden in those shadows. Yeah. And I, this is another time I have to give a lot of props to the rest of the guys because, I mean, sonically, it really plays into that sort of like eerie discomfort. Like I kept thinking of like Scooby-Doo kind of creeping around, but in a much more refined way and like a way that kind of <laughs> just like that. Ba, 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 ba. Like it's got like a really nice, again, odd eeriness that I think, again, you guys are so good at creating worlds and emotions and stuff out of out of your music which i really respect like I, I said like even going back to seasons it's a song that i come back to again and again just because and i know why it went as viral as it did because again there's just like this sort of like pounding emotion that you guys are so capable of bringing together as a band that again i i just i'm almost talking circles but i really really appreciate that from you guys well, i will artists. say that I'll say that Mike recorded the he recorded some vibes um, for that song, and he, we tracked those in the C room at the studio that we recorded at in Baltimore. And the C room is the haunted room, so that's probably why you're getting some Scooby vibes. 
Oh, I love that. For sure. <laughs> that is, that's perfect. Subconsciously, you're like, are we like in like a cartoon about murder mystery? Is that what's happening right now? And then all of a sudden you get this real eerie synth happening. I love that. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. And I did use a, a patch called the Spooky Patch. Yes, you did. I love that. Really? Yeah. That's, not, that's not a joke. Not a <laughs> I joke. Did, I, did, I did not know about the Spooky Patch. Spooky Patch is on two songs. No big deal. What's the other one? What's the other one? Uh, you shouldn't have asked because I forget the song names. Was it ATL I Slow. You, maybe? Yeah. I, yeah. 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 That, one, that one's definitely got a Scooby vibe. Oh, yeah. Dee, Big Scooby. Dee, 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 dee. Yeah. Hashtag uh, Spooky Patch. We're going to hold on to that for a while. I love that. Did you did you make that sound yourself, Garrett? No, I came across the Spooky Patch. Okay. I decided to use it. So it's out there. I'm going to have to hunt that down for my own limited knowledge of sense. That sounds really fun. So I guess second to last section is really, I guess, starting to move forward with life and, you know, being kinder to yourself, obviously having this relationship that is so full of trust and love and support. And so, again, those songs for me are Waking, Plastic Beach, and Moonlight, which are, again, like, so gorgeously vulnerable. You know, Plastic Beach is, you know, being able to embrace your appearance and having a partner that, you know, embraces who you are. Moonlight is, I guess, trusting someone again after... A lot of shit um and making that very <laughs> vulnerable you know like really because like it had that kind of feeling of like you know like here's my heart don't break it like i am choosing to trust you and yeah that's true yeah here we are you know yeah i think uh yeah those you know moonlight is moonlight is definitely a, a julia song um and and uh you know deals with my own uh, problems with depression and and uh, my fears of being hurt in that you know past the baggage that we carry from old relationships um, in the same way that for sure is much about like you know uh, giving completely into trust and everything I think moonlight is like the beginning of that the beginning of that trying to uh, uh, before really trusting someone like can I love can I learn love again can I be can I be here? Can you love me even though sometimes I'm a dark person? And can you, and, and that, I think that question is one of my favorite lines of the album, which is like, I couldn't see out a cloud in my arms. And if, if I asked you, would you say it's only rain? Like, and that's, that's the way she makes me feel, you know, to be, uh, and then to have that, to have that partnership is, is amazing to be able to accept love as, as in, in plastic beach, which is, that question of myself of, you know, why do we, how can I, how can I tell someone that I love them and that they're beautiful? And when they say it to me, I don't believe it. You know, what, what is that in me that doesn't accept, um, accept that same, that same reciprocal thing and that trying to break, trying to break those, uh, those chains of, of, uh, of our own self, uh, self-conscious, like the things that, hold us back from loving ourselves. Um, I mean, I feel fortunate in the relationship I'm in, but it is something it's asking of all people, you know, it's asking of all people to accept that. That's, that's, the music is for everybody um, to, to ask that question. But, but, uh, you know, I was striving really hard to dig into myself for this record to, 
to say things that I really meant and that I really felt that I could stand by always. Um, and that to do that, I really have to look at, at the past um, in, a, in, a, in a certain way to, to see how I've developed and how, how the past has affected me to this point. Um, but being, being in that place of true like mutual trust and partnership allowed me so much more freedom to explore myself um, that I haven't had for a really long time. Yeah, because you don't have that sort of other person that you need to think about being like a source of instability. You kind of get to be like, okay, this is good. So now let me take my own time. And also that image of the cloud and only rain as someone who also suffers from depression, that that is bang on. Like I used to say it almost felt like I had like a fog blanket over all of my emotions so like I knew they were all still there all the things I loved were still there but it was just obscured and this idea of someone who can embrace that those things will pass just like rain and that understand that is such a magical thing to have in your life whether it be in a relationship or through your friends or everything we people like us need that and it's again it's a blessing when we find them I had this really intense conversation recently we have a a friend that we know from playing shows, this guy, London May, who's out in LA and he used to play with Danzig back in the day and Sam Hain and has been in a lot of bands. And he's one of like the sweetest dudes in the world. And he hit me up out of the blue. Um, it was like right after I got to Sweden and told me that he volunteers as a nurse at a children's hospital. And uh, he was talking with one of his patients and this kid is a huge Future Islands fan. And they just like, the two of them just started geeking out about Future Islands. So he texted me and I was like, you know, hey, I'm going to sleep now, but find me tomorrow and we'll get on the phone and talk. But so, I, so the next day I was talking to, uh, to London and, and uh, this kid over, over Skype and it was just like a sweet, I mean, you know, we've, we've done a couple hospital gigs. They're always really intense, but extremely rewarding to play for, for children, you know, um, and just to, to give something. But, uh, but he asked, this kid asked me about anxiety, like, like, do you deal with anxiety? Yes. Like, how do you deal with it? And it, it was interesting because I had never really thought about it, but I was like, you know, the most important thing is just to recognize it when it happens so that you know that that's what it is. And then you can, and then you can, I, I was like, I don't want to say it's like a video game, but you do kind of have to remind yourself, like, this is only something I'm feeling and it's going to pass and I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm okay. It's only anxiety. And, and, and I'm kind of saying it to him. I'm getting a little like goosebumpy now. I'm saying it to this, to this kid. And, and uh, I'm like, am I just realizing this <laughs> myself? You know what I mean? Like I do do that, but I've never really thought about it. And it was, you know, we got off the phone and then London just, you know, he wrote me like that really, he was like, that really meant a lot. Like, I think that really meant a lot to him. And I was like, I think it meant a lot to me too. Like, thank you for, for allowing me that space to talk, to talk to him. Yeah, it's amazing how we can accidentally give ourselves advice a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> and I think this is a good place to get to the final two songs. Um, in some ways, they're sort of opposite, but once again, they fit really well together. And that is Thrill and Hit the Coast. Like, Thrill is, you know, still kind of talking about, like, baggage and some more difficult things. And then it comes, it's followed by this just absolutely beautiful release with Hit the Coast. Now, first off, Thrill almost seems to reflect born in a war to me like they almost seem like a mirror of each other i know it's it's calling back to the past quite a bit mm -hmm. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, it's really, I mean, it's a, that song really deals. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I started writing that song. Uh, it was an instrumental that Garrett sent around and I was in Sweden at the time. And part of the thing was like, I was feeling really isolated from my bandmates at the time, like not, not really knowing where we were at with the record and stuff. And we still had a lot of questions going on. Um, and, uh, and I started to think about how I kind of self-isolated when we were in college through my own like drug addiction and stuff. And, and, um, and my fears that I love you guys. Um, I just want you to know um, my fears, which I've talked to these guys about before, which is that I really, you know, hurt those relationships even so far back and not knowing if, whew, if I ever really uh, recovered from them, if I ever really, was able to get back to the place that I was before that. Because everything since, when you go through any kind of recovery, everything after is is like, who was I before and how, like, and, and do we do we strive to go backwards or do we strive to go forwards? You know, like, like you do need to go forward. <laughs> like, I don't need to be a 19 year old and like, you know, overconfident, you know, well, actually, I would appreciate being overconfident again, but, you know, I don't need to be this, this thing, I need to be a mature version of that person and that creative person, um, and that loving person. So, so yeah, um, that that song was really was was about was about those feelings of isolation, but also like the isolation that I created myself um, through cocaine, and then just like, like a growing uh enjoyment of alcohol like we where we went to college was just like a party town there wasn't anything to do and so you just get drunk all the time um and and kind of waking up in that fog and being like where was i what did i do um and sometimes that's our lives you know sometimes it's not it's not uh like a college days but we wake up in like our 30s and we're like what did i do where have i been and these kinds of things um so so yeah i mean that one's that that song hits me really hard and the idea the river the tar river in greenville north carolina is is famous for flooding that city like and it's also like a extremely polluted river so i feel like it's it's like a literal like sludge pit that will engulf your home and it feels like all of those like like that that rising inside of me is like, is this going, is this choking me? Are these feelings, these old feelings choking me? Like, when do I get released? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's, it's a really good song. It's a very good song. And by the way, if it looked like I was laughing, it was Will's cat's tail just kind of like sweeping on the side. Um, well, anyway, I guess, you know, one, cause we've got three minutes. So let's get through this a little bit, but also that, Tar River, the Tar River, which is a thing that I, I googled with the song, is such like an interesting like opposing image of water compared to not only early in the album, but now that we're getting to hit the coast and then even, you know, going back full circle with Glotta and for sure. It goes from this sort of like feeling of drowning to, okay, now I'm free. I'm on the coast. I'm it's it's this moving forward that you said that you wanted to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, hit the coast. Probably one of my favorite one of my favorite lines in there is just that, like, uh, um, you know, there's it's basically like there's a bag of tapes in the back seat, and they're frying, like they're frying in the back seat. But I'm flying, and I'm free, and I'm not crying, but I can't even look to think, which is like, I'm not crying, I'm not crying, 
I'm not crying, <laughs> but, but it's like, uh, but it's like, you know, I'm okay right now. I'm okay, but I can't listen to anything. I'm driving in silence. I can't listen to anything because my tapes are, are burning in the back seat and I can't, I can't grab. They're all destroyed. The ones I have are destroyed and I can't listen to anything anyways. And I can't reach back because I can't look at everything that's in the back because it reminds me of, of, reminds me of you or it reminds me of the past or reminds me of all those things. So I'm just driving forward and I'm driving forward. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's real. I think it's, it's interesting to write in a chorus that I'm driving in the silence of my car, yeah, <laughs> but it it's also a big chorus too. It's not like a quiet, it's like, boo, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but that song is, you know, that song is about, is about a certain drive that I did from, from uh, Asheville to Baltimore. And so it's, the, the real drive didn't end me up at the ocean, but it opened me up at my new ocean um, mm. in Baltimore. But, uh, many 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 years ago 2008 so so it speaks to this it speaks to a future in the song that has already passed mm. um and i can but i but i can still visualize it i still feel it and i know that drive i know that drive um and the tape the tape is, is 17 seconds the tape in the song yeah all right well since we have one minute, the last thing I'll add very quick is that, again, I love that it loops back at the very beginning because Glotta starts with the sound of seagulls and just the idea of like talking about like hitting the coast and then like full circling, even if they're from different time periods. Well, I mean, I ran through a lot of the stuff chronologically, but we didn't really get to talk much about the tech side. So like we again, we sort of touched on really creating feeling throughout the album and like I know again you center a lot on Sam's stories but you guys aside is much more about creating that sonic and emotional feel for the album so what was that like for you guys first of all actually better question do you tend to start with the music first or with the lyrics first or does it change um generally music first or during Sam will write along with us jamming sometimes um, and or the idea will be presented, but yeah, music generally first. Yeah, he, he says that usually the, the lyrics are like a, a response to what the music uh, brings out of him or, you know, where, where the music takes him, you know? Yeah, I'm, I, feel like, I feel like I'm much better at like expressing myself uh, in like in like a musical sense instead of like describing it or talking about it does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah that makes yeah. perfect sense. I, I think i think there's a lot of emotion in the music that 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 we create and sam just uh you know he he can turn it into something more tangible but that's why you know we play music we don't write lyrics <laughs> and he doesn't play music <laughs> yeah that i mean fair enough well it's again it's so funny to me because the album feels so like great as a piece of storytelling and yet considering that the lyrics came after it they just fit so organically with what you do and with the the moods you guys create so yeah i know like we mainly talk about stories on this podcast and i'm not personally as well versed in in the tech side but like I've kind of repeated again and again, I'm someone who really loves to be immersed in a song. Like I went for a walk. We had like the first like cloudy, cool day in Dallas and God knows how long. 
um, and I went for a long walk and listened to the album, and it was nice to just, like, feel like it was just filling my head with all of these sounds. It's, again, like, it, I'm, I'm so rambling right now, and I'm so sorry, but I... It's like I can't find the words for this feeling, but it is. It's just like you're in it. You know what I mean? Like rather than it being something that's in the background, you're almost forced to just let yourself dive in to the music. Which is Thanks. Such... Yeah, we, we wanted, we really um, took a lot of time uh, paying attention to lots of details and we wanted to have little moments that kind of would happen and then, and then would, would disappear. Um, that's something that we kept talking about in the studio. And you talked about the chorus of Hit the Coast being big. I would, I would call that a confetti moment. I think we probably have a couple conf- confetti moments on this record. Um, sure. Like the, like the chorus for, for sure would be one. This is like, you know, when, when bands much bigger than us, they have like the big confetti cannons. Like we, we don't have that. But if we did have confetti, it would be in the chorus of Hit the Coast and for sure. And where else would it be? Do you guys, do you have any, on, on this record? Or, I mean, what do you think? Um, you know, where do you think would be? Um, I mean, definitely those two. Oh, maybe Born in a War. Yeah, and, and like the outro, Born in a War, maybe. Actually, yeah. wait, Plastic Beach, definitely. Plastic, oh, Plastic Beach. Beach. The end yeah. of that song. The like, end I'm, of Plastic Beach, yeah. Yeah, I actually maybe, maybe like Maybe some like, pyro, like some big flames. Yeah. You know, I feel like the end of Plastic Beach is more pyro than confetti. And if you're like in the first like, you know, 10 rows, you'll feel the heat. You know, you that, that kind of pyro. Actually, you know what? Alternative suggestion. I think that's a water hose moment. Like you need to have like one of those like big ass like just cannons of water. That, that's what Plastic Beach is to me. It's one of those. We should. Okay. We, we, I've been thinking about when, when, we, when festivals, festival season gets up and running again having some future islands uh beach balls so people so people could blow them up like really huge and then you'll just see them all day at the festival and then and then hit them back at us while we play that'll be fun fun. for for us for us stationary folks that's great (laughs) as long as you are is available now everywhere that you normally get your music this podcast is hosted produced and edited by myself sophia lepercaro and the artwork is by Meg Welford.